This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. We are very happy to have you here uh, tonight, or this morning, or this afternoon, whenever you're listening. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. I have a lot to talk about. We have a lot of local soccer to talk about. We're going to start off with Miami FC, but we are jam-packed with local soccer to discuss. So without a minute more of interruption or delay, uh, let's get started. Let's first talk to uh, Omar Mubayad. Omar, how you doing, buddy? Matt. It's nice to have you back. Or should I say your Italian name? Matteo, it's nice to have you back. <laughs> it's very nice. Uh, I, I returned to the country. I'm back in country. Uh, very excited about it. Happy to be here. Uh, Drew Hausman. Drew, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I hope everybody is excited as I am about the Canadian Championship between Edmonton and Ottawa tonight. I mean, this is what everyone in the world is talking about, right? It's the biggest event going on in the soccer world today. Hockey? Yeah. Uh, two different some other divisions, games. man. Two different divisions. Yeah, I mean, where do you get that kind of action? You know what I mean? It's it's You can't beat it. Um, so let's get started. We will start off with Miami FC. As I said, we have nope, uh, a nope, lot to nope, cover. Nope, not only. No, we won't. Matt, while you were away, we, oh. we created a new staple uh, to the Magic City Soccer Show. Uh, and it's okay. professional footballer names that you have to guess. Based off the Apple iPhone autocorrect. So to watch a little fun oh. show, we're going to give you a little bit of segue before we dig into the meat, or should I say, the deep dish of today's pizza. So we're going to start off with a couple names. Again, the rule of the game here, Matt, you already knows the rules, is I'm going to give you the autocorrected version, and you have to guess which player it is. For the most part, they are all predominant players. There is one retired name as your bonus round at the end. Are you guys ready to go? And just to clarify, these are all Miami FC players. No, they're not. Oh, I'm so screwed. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> and the first name is Tags Ewer. Tags Ewer. U apostrophe R E. Yaya Torre. It is Yaya Torre. Ding, 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 ding. Wow. Drew is on the board. Got one. All righty. <laughs> and Matt, you got, some, uh, you got some making up ground here to do, all right? So okay. the autocorrect name is Julian MBA program. Uh, Mbappe? Julian Mbappe is right. Uh, I, ding, 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 ding. Yes. Kind of on the board. Yeah. We are tied 1-1. <laughs> one, 1-1. One. One, one. All righty. So we're going to come. These are kind of easy. I don't know. What, I thought I thought especially Julian MBA program would be a little harder, but I guess he played today. <laughs> All right. So we have now timeout baller yoke. Is baller yoke the last name? Timeout it- baller yoke. The last name, correct. Mario Balotelli? Nope. Oh, God. I was thinking of hockey player. I was like, T. Mussolini? No, that's a wrong sport. <laughs> Three seconds here. This uh, makes for bad radio. Yeah, this is yeah. terrible. All right, both of you guys suck. It's Timu Bakayoko, also from Monaco. Played today. Ah, Timu Bakayoko. All right. All right. So, moving on here, we also have... <clears throat> Near Candy. 
I'm sorry, you said near candy? Near candy. Near candy. This is terrible. What a bad yeah, way to start I'm the stumped. spot. That's a Liverpool I'm softball stumped. for you, my friend. That's Emery Khan. Oh, oh you loser, God. Emery Khan. Well, that's right. With his fancy goal, give you a one win versus uh, Watford. And last but not least, this is the retired player. No longer playing in the Premier League and also no longer playing in the United States. Pandemic Martini. David Beckham. Pandemic Martini. This is for the win, Matt. Pandemic Martini. Pandemic. Ready Lumber. You ran out of time. It is Obafemi Martins. All right, boys, let's get on with the show. <laughs> All right. Now that uh, we've, we've got our new game, I hope you're playing along at home because a couple of those had me stumped. Yeah, um, I would have stopped listening It's a 1-1 one, one draw. How typical of an NASL result. <laughs> <laughs> there was only one true way it could have ended. Um, so let's talk about this match. Uh, let's talk about the uh, uh, the previous game. Exciting for Miami FC um, as you get a 2-0 win against FC Edmonton. Um I think last year, the first time we won a game at home, I was also out of the state. Uh, so to everyone, all the Miami FC fans listening, you're welcome. I did this for you. Um, so 2-0, pretty dominant performance, I would say. But let's actually talk to people who were in South Florida for it. Uh, and let's start with Omar. So also to go with your superstition, this was Carly's first Miami FC home game. But it's also the second, I guess, game that she's watched with us. Uh, the first being the New York Cosmos win. And now back to back with the Edmonton win, so I guess she's going to have to figure out what she's going to do Saturday night because uh, we need her at that watch party <laughs> versus Puerto Rico. Uh, guys, listen, it was a great game. Um, it was exactly as expected it to be. Miami FC decided that they were going to throw and more balls towards the net, and they were going to try to create as many chances as possible and capitalize on those chances. We're no longer seems to be running that uh, diamond midfield formation. Miami FC lined up with a 4-3-3, and you had uh, kind of like a false nine. You had Poku playing that false nine, uh, dropping in just slightly behind Pino and Ranella, and it's working fantastic. Um, Miami FC looked like the dominant side throughout the game. It really, it's just one of those situations where the ball hit the back of the net more than once, and you walked away with the three points. I know Drew was keen on on the fact that we weren't finishing our chances. Drew, I mean, I'm pretty sure you agree with me here. Yeah, it was an interesting game. Once again, we we started kind of attacking early. Uh, LaHood took a took a great shot from out the box, and once again, Miami FC style hit the crossbar. Um, but you know, we're we're laying on the shots all the way from the beginning to the end of the game, even when. In the end, when we were already up, uh, Ariel Martinez got subbed on. I think he hit the post twice or shot wide and then hit the post. So uh, it was it was good to see the, the aggressiveness. Um, but to be the president and uh, CEO of the Complain Brigade, as I was saying in the other podcast, it's Edmonton, man. It's Edmonton. <laughs> it's great to win at home. You know, it, it's great to see a, a 2 nothing victory, keep a clean sheet. They didn't score against us, but, uh, you know... Tougher games will be played in the future. <laughs> you know, I'm of the opinion though you you gotta you gotta beat the teams that put that's put out in front of you. And and I'm not I'm not starting a parade or anything after this win. But to to get to have a two goal lead against any team, I feel like is a, is an achievement. And to get the win, especially at home, when the last two home games 
Didn't exactly end the way we wanted. North Carolina was exciting, but it's still a draw at home, which is not great. To get those home points, uh, I think is good. And, I mean, there are plenty of examples of teams that don't answer the bell when, you know, the easy, the quote-unquote easy games are put in front of them. They had a quote-unquote easy game put in front of them, and they answered the bell. I, I, it, it's, again, I'm not, you know, running the headline on the, you know, everything's fixed, but... I think it is something to be said that, hey, they, they, they did what they were asked to do. Yeah, and, and it was nice to see, even if it was for limited minutes, Red Bernstein get back on the field. Um, so, you know, that's a positive uh, storyline to you know to go along with the fact that the Killer Peas put the game away. And if you're wondering who the Killer Peas are, they're Poco and Pino. And if you dare to try to steal <laughs> the Killer Peas trademark from me, well, we're going to have a conversation, and it's going to be outside. How about that? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, I think I think it's a, it could catch on. I, I I think you need to get some get some merch out and get some trademarks put on because I, I I like the idea of it. I mean, so you know, as we mentioned, Miami FC wins this game 2-0. 20 total shots. Of course, those are include uh, block shots as well. So twenty total balls targeted towards the Edmonton net. Uh, out of the 24 shots were on target. Even distribution between shots from inside the box and outside the box, both at 10 apiece. Uh, really, Miami FC, you know, if you're getting, you know, 20 shots on net on most games, you should be winning the game regardless. You know, without, if you can imagine, if I just told you a team shot 20 times toward their opponent's nets, it is not far-fetched to believe that they had 67% possession, of course, two-thirds of the game. Pretty much won just about in every statistical category uh, statistical category that you can imagine with the exception of total crosses, which was nice because one of the bigger concerns was during the last game, um, Miami FC was going out wide too often, and some of us were confused about whether it was the opponents clogging up the middle or it was the fact that the tactics were for Miami FC to move the ball to the outside and then swing in crosses. But now you only see only 12 crosses versus Edmonton. The middle of the field was wide open. You saw multiple times, you know, three, four Miami FC players making runs through the middle of the field and opening up space for Poku and opening up space for Ranella and for Lahoud to make passes. And even Ariel Martinez, after he came onto the field, you know, for Cuban uh, Heritage Night, you know, he showed to be a game changer. He showed to be the change of pace player he is make efficient passes and, and definitely threaten towards the net. He had two at least two shots during that game that missed, you know, the post by maybe I would say two, three feet maximum. And both balls were curlers. If he hits those a little bit better, you know, they're finding the upper bins. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know, uh Omar always very good at kind of breaking it down and, and getting into the specifics here. I, I think the general picture is that you it's a two 0 victory and there's there was nothing fluky or wasn't you know it wasn't like they they limped across the line. It was it was a solid performance and I think that you know bit, all you can do is expect to get a solid performance out and just you know go going about your business, move on down the schedule and try to get another three. I mean, Drew, at any point in time during this game, did you feel worried or concerned because I can't recall really feeling that way throughout the game had we maybe gone goalless into the 60th minute I would have said okay here we go again you know like we really need to pot one in here but at the same time I don't remember at any point in time feeling like we don't have this yeah I think there was maybe one or two shots that looked 
decent from Edmonton that Vega had to save, but outside of that, there was no kind of build of play or any kind of uh, possession-filled run that uh, Edmonton was making against us. You know, the possession stats were just completely on our side, so any time they did get the ball, they were just kind of dumping it on net pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was... It, Hopefully it came out for the team as a confidence boost, and um, it's good too because, as I said in the last podcast too, like Edmonton and Puerto Rico are kind of the the bottom two of the league. So hopefully, you know, winning at home and then on the road in Puerto Rico, they kind of have the confidence build up to kind of take the same dominance to to Puerto Rico away. And it was a situation also with the goal scorers that they weren't balls that were like they weren't blasted into the net. These balls almost seemed to have been passed into the back of the net. Uh, especially with the case of Poku. Poku happens to beat the back line, gets the keeper one-on-one, and what does he do? He doesn't try to blast it by him. He doesn't try to do anything fancy and chip it. All he does is he puts a pass. You know, he beats the keeper to his far side and puts him to the back of the net. And Pino was very much the same way. Just find an open slot and get the ball past the keeper. It wasn't one of those situations where you're putting your laces through it or you're trying to do something fancy with it. It was just, let's make sure this ball gets tucked away. Let's put the insurance on this game. And let's go ahead and call it a night. And that's effectively what Miami FC did. And at the same time, this game really could have ended, you know, 4-0, 5-0. I guess we're going to end. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> think that this is a matter of, you know, it, it's a matter of, again, kind of, it's kind of plain to, to speak about, I guess. But it's it's a team that was clearly better coming out and being clearly better. And could have been more. If FC Edmonton had gotten lucky, it might have been less, so 1-0. But, I mean, it seemed like, you know, kind of destiny that, that this is the way they shook out. Yeah, it's about damn time, too, because they showed up to play, and, and they, they really showed what this team's potential could be. And, yes, there were moments where it looked a little sluggish, and there were moments of brilliance. So the team is still trying to find its form, I think. There still seem to be maybe a little bit of chemistry issues and, you know, a lot of names, notable names, still right on the bench. Johnny Steele still hasn't got into a game. Um, you know, Michelle did not come into this game whatsoever. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes up. We can have these podcasts every week about how deep our team is. But, again, you know, when you see the guys who remain on the bench and don't get on the field, it you know, it is eye-opening uh, with, you know, with regards to the talent level and how hard it is to get on the field because at this point you really need to drop. You need to get Robert Casira. You know, if you want to get Robert Casira off the pitch, you're going to have to pull him and drag him and, you know, maybe have to, you know, you know, have it maybe a little unconscious for him to lead the pitch because you're not taking him off the pitch otherwise. He's going to play and he's going to keep doing what he does best and it's shutting down the opponent's offense and it's, it's amazing to see. Uh, attendance figures were 61 one, I'm sorry, 6112 people uh, came out to the game versus FC Edmonton. And it was actually a beautiful night in South Florida. So props to the 6,000 people who showed up uh, versus the game. You finally got to see Miami take three points this season at home. Um, and, you know, hopefully you come around for the next game. Yeah, I think that's an important figure too because uh, we kind of, you know, maybe blamed the, the second home game a little on bad weather. But... Um, Hopefully 6,000 is kind of around our average attendance number or higher. Um, you know, despite losing or, or drawing our previous home game, there was no big attendance drop-off. You know, we actually gained like, like 100 people or something like that. But, you know, 6,000 for the NASL just puts us, you know, right up there with Indy 11 as being one of the top-drawing teams in the league. So uh, I think that was good to see. And then 
you know, I don't know how much people care about Indy 11 in Miami, but our next home game will be against them. So, uh, you know, hopefully people come out. But it's good to see, you know, after the third home game that we haven't, you know, had a significant spike down in attendance. I mean, and you look at the attendance totals throughout the league, uh, the home teams this week, if I'm not mistaken, uh, were Miami FC, Puerto Rico had a home game. Um, I believe the Armada also had a home game. And I can't, can't remember who the other team was that home game. Um, <clears throat> San Francisco, sorry. So Puerto Rico, San Francisco, yeah. Jacksonville, and Miami, and and three. Those are three teams, you know, with the exception of Miami, that struggle to bring in people to the gate. If you look at their numbers combined, I mean, Miami FC almost cleared their number combined. They were off almost off just about roughly two thousand. With some quick math here, people short of you know meeting the other three games combined here, and it's a strong detail of. You know, NASL needs people need to show up for NASL games. It's not just a Miami FC thing, but it's also, you know, fans in Puerto Rico need to show up to that stadium. Fans in Jacksonville need to get behind their team because the Armada are surprisingly good. You know, there's something good to come out of Jacksonville, unlike the Jaguars. And San Francisco, you know, it's a new product. And like we mentioned a few weeks ago, it's anybody, you know, if they're not doing giveaways and they're getting 3,000 people and they're not comping tickets left and right, they're good for them because they're getting 3,000 fans that are providing funding towards that team and it's something that's really important for them in the long run especially now with talk about usl coming to the bay area also it's just it's going to be a huge competition to figure out how we're going to figure out you know how to manage our attendance and how to keep moving forward because you know miami fc and indy might lead the way but you really need some of these teams at the bottom to step it up attendance wise yeah that's that's Almost, I've been almost as focused on that this season as I have the result on the field, because I think to to me that's a tremendous indicator of where this team goes moving forward. The fact that you're going into the second season and not only are you not seeing a dip in attendance where like people saw the new thing and now they're done with it, where you're seeing some growth, some 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 kind of plateauing and some growth. That's really encouraging, really really encouraging, and it's not just you know papering it's not just giving the tickets away it's that there are butts and seats and when you go down and you're trying to get a beer or a hot dog or uh, you know something to drink there are people there and there's a line and 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 people are excited and i remember not not this home game obviously but the previous game against north carolina i went to drew during the game and i'm like i you know th- this crowd is good like not only is it a a, a good size crowd i think again like drew said it was about six thousand, nearly on the nose uh, but they were into it, and they knew some of the chants, and they were picking it up, and they were they were invested. They were down to play, and I think that's to me that was one of the biggest indicators. Like, oh, okay, this is this may be getting some momentum. Not not from a results side, not from a you know looking at the standings, but looking at the business side of it, or you know the the stability in the community. To me, that was really encouraging. And I mean, thanks again to Fat Seven Deuce again every week on Twitter. Fat Seven Deuce, Mike Pendleton, um, putting out you know the graphic displays of what's going on, you know, through all of Division Two, including USL combined. And Miami FC is showing a 32% increase in attendance compared to last year, if the numbers are correct. So 32% on average better uh, than last season's figures, and it's not a coincidence. This team played a remarkably strong fall season. They made a name for themselves. They also have you know marketed themselves much better coming into this new season and the results are showing in the 11 down roughly three and a half percent so far um and you know 
who knows what the reasons for that are at this moment. North Carolina with the rebranding showing, you know, uh, an increase in attendance as well in, in terms of percentages and as well for the New York Cosmos moving into Coney Island. But at the same time, I'm looking at Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico's averaging 10% more a game. So it's a strong start. We just need these numbers to get better as a whole. And something that's going to hurt that is the fact that the NASL does only have eight teams. So you're going to be seeing the same opponents. So it's really important for these rivalries to grow, uh, you know, even if they're transcontinental in the cases of Puerto Rico and, and Edmonton, because you need people willing to show up and see the heated battles and the heated rivalries to, to really keep that attendance as high as it needs to be. And the A-team league, it's one of those things where it could be a, a curse and a blessing, you know, because maybe, let's say the NSL does expand in the next couple of years, you're going to end up seeing these opponents so many times, uh, like you were saying, and you're going to build up rivalries, and then it's going to kind of become like an original eight sort of deal. Right. Where, you know, we played these guys X amount of times in, in last season, you know, and I can't wait to see them again, so... It could end up being sort of a good thing in from a fan perspective because you're going to become so familiar with these teams, uh, pending that they all just don't dump their rosters at the end of the year. Yeah, that, and you know, maybe not seeing a, a merger of two division twos, which you know, we'll, we'll see what, where that comes as it may. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that it's going to be nervy the ne- the next off season, just like this off season, maybe not as nervy is this offseason but next offseason and especially the offseason after we're all going to be kind of holding our breath and doing a little bit of kind of the nervous rocking to see where this goes but um but yeah it's going to be it's it's an interesting discussion that will hang over and you know it's hanging over the usl too it's kind of hanging over everyone so it's it's intriguing to see where this all goes is it is it nervy for us though here as as miami fc fans though is it nervy for us in the sense that we know that more than likely this team will be here regardless of its nasl or some other kind of entity that runs the league because i i feel strong in my thoughts that you know even if we were to enter the usl given all of the usl's parameters you know i could see i i can't see ownership saying well if it's not nasl it's nothing I just, I mean, Omar, I think you have a fair point about that, but I would also say that ownership has come out so strongly against the, the idea of, you know, kind of the the closed system and, and, right. and, and, and all of that, and, and I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. It would seem very foolish just up and leave if this doesn't work, but at the same time, if you have a vision and your vision essentially just gets kind of sideswiped do you continue it doing what what ownership has said what they would feel would be throwing bad money after good if they're forced to go into a usl system or the or the or mls um although i think if it were mls i think they would you know i think they would accommodate um but still i mean they they've made it very clear you know ownership has made it very clear what it thinks about that kind of move does that change if circumstances change? Very possible, but I don't know. I would definitely feel a little bit nervous. I mean, I feel like it's easier, and I, and I kind of really want Drew's thoughts because I think he might be, out of the three of us, the most inclined to provide, I guess, not a response, not because of Ty's ownership, but because of just his, his overall knowledge of the U.S. pyramid. It, I just feel like it's one of those situations where, yes, I understand what you're saying. It definitely can be nervy in the sense of, you know, what is it going to be? But after year one, it's really easy to close your doors and pack your bags. But after the second year, especially if the year ends up 
resulting in what we all think it can in terms of championships and, and deep open cup runs. I mean, do you just call it quits at that point after success? Do you ride off into the sunset? I, I don't know. It's got to be really hard to do so. I mean, I think Silva's kind of just shown and stated that he's here to stay. Um, I think part of the issues with the offseason is because of the whole David Beckham thing that I honestly think that we kind of are just would not be allowed in the USL because they would see us as direct competition to the potential of an MLS team being there. So, I mean, I don't think, unless if the NASL dissolves, I don't think we even have an option of moving to either up or across to USL. I think right now we're kind of blacklisted just because of the whole pending Beckham thing because they don't want a, a, a pre-established Division Two team in the same city as an incoming Division One team. Sure, that makes sense. So, yeah, so I, you know, but he's already shown we're here to stay. So as long as the NASL is alive, we're good. And, I mean, if it would ultimately collapse, I could see him just having enough money and ambition to put something else in place. You know, even last year there was that rumor or uh, hypothetical scenario of the Cosmos just being like a Harlem, <laughs> Globetrotter, Harlem Globetrotters type team where they just travel around and play nonsense friendlies just, you know. Who knows, but uh, I'd, I'd say we're in good standing. Cosmos and Friends League. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if they need players to play against them, uh, I'll be a member of the Washington Generals, you know. I'd be down. I don't know how many <laughs> yeah, minutes yeah. I could play, definitely, but I'd be in. <laughs> so what's, Yeah, but... Oh, I was going to say, what's your guys' thoughts on Puerto Rico? Because I'm, I'm doing the same analysis as I did last week. We got this. We got it. We got this. It's Puerto Rico. Yeah, it's in Puerto Rico. All right, it's Puerto Rico. Matt, he set it up, baby. <laughs> what are we doing about Puerto Rico? Yeah, you know, I think this the, the this Puerto Rico game. It's on the road, but but it's Puerto Rico, and you should expect you should expect big things. I think you should expect big things from this game. All right, big things. Got it. So uh, Miami <laughs> FC. Uh, no love for Puerto Rico. No love podcast. for Puerto Rico, no. Even though they're going to be technically our second closest, I would feel like, in terms of mileage, I don't know, maybe North Carolina is a little closer, but uh, our, our second closest rivals, opponents. Uh, Miami FC and Puerto Rico have played each other twice last season. But remember, Puerto Rico uh, did enter the league only for the fall season, so there's only two matches uh, between the two squads. And believe it or not, each team won its away fixture. Go figure, right? Miami FC won 3-0 and sent a Puerto Rico defender to the hospital after his testicles collided with the post. <laughs> I forgot about that. And it was a sports that center, sucks. not top 10. And additionally to that, uh, Puerto Rico came back and repaid the favor by blue-balling the Miami FC from essentially the NASL postseason, uh, winning that fixture hey. 1-0 uh, here at what is now known as Ricardo Silva Stadium. So as Drew has alluded, yes, Puerto Rico FC is uh, bottom of the table, realistically speaking. I mean, there's no way to really sugarcoat it. Um, they are bottom of the table with Edmonton five games five games played and three points collected. Not a very good squad. Miami FC should be able to execute their game plan and establish the tempo that they want to establish. I think it's really important to not end up in a run in a run and gun or in a game style that you don't want to play. You have the quality of players, you have the ability um to dictate the flow 
and you have to do so. I know that's a lot of cliches all in once, but at the same time, they're all pretty much the truth here because Puerto Rico FC is kind of seems, their roster seems like a bit of a ragtag piece of players left over after the uncertainty of the offseason. And Miami FC needs to make sure to punish them um, when they have their chances. Yeah, I think to, just to clarify the uh, geographic uh, update, um, Puerto Rico is, I believe, slightly farther away than North Carolina. So they're our third closest rival. But it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Um, what I know about this, I, you know, I, again, I, I'm not big on the like diving in and, and breaking down everything. What I know is that Puerto Rico announced today they plan on filing for bankruptcy in one of the largest municipal bankruptcies in American history. I think the largest one. Um, so yeah, hopefully we get there and the lights are on because that's not fun. That that's not good for them. Um, wait, 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 yeah, wait, wait. I, sorry, I, again, sorry. I, Puerto Rico's filing for bankruptcy or the team is filing for bankruptcy? No, the Puerto Rico. Okay, the government <laughs> of Puerto Rico. Hey man, yeah, it's Detroit it's did the, the same thing, municipal... but they got a balling MPSL team, so it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, the headline on C- uh, CNN Money is Puerto Rico has filed for bankruptcy. It's the biggest municipal bankruptcy filing ever in the U.S. Puerto Rico currently owes its creditors a whopping $70 billion, far higher than Detroit's $18 billion bankruptcy in 2013. No wonder why they're not a state yet. Yeah, right? Welcome to the gotta, politics gotta Magic City Soccer Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I got on Puerto Rico. I got Carmelo's the owner, and the government is literally bankrupt. Um but yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to, I, I like, I, I think I may be the only one, I, I mean, I guess the, the fans of Puerto Rico like it, but I like their stadium, because it's very different to me, like the, I, you know, it, it looks different, it has a different feel to it, um, I like seeing games played there, um, but yeah, I, I think this is a game, you know, Puerto Rico, we, we, we are lined up, the, the bottom of the table team just beat them, second uh, from bottom. Uh, or first from bottom, I guess, uh, Puerto Rico lined up to play them next, um, and then Indy is the home game, and right now they're third from bottom. That's surprising. I didn't well, think they've they've drawn every game. I don't know how they do it. They don't lose That's at wild. home. Yeah, it's but five they drew, for five. Drew every game, every game. It's the Manchester Crazy. United of the NASL. Wrecking, <laughs> they never lose. The they never draws. lose. But no, so I'm looking at Puerto and Rico's roster, and guess what place they're in? Guess what place Indy Eleven is in right now? Six. <laughs> That's right. Go ahead. I, what's what's funny about that? Well, the Manchester United is was in six for like the entire season. Uh, right, but are they currently in six? Well, what are they in? Yeah, yeah, it took a beautiful goal for you to be Watford. All right, we'll get to that later. Anyway, so <laughs> looking at Puerto Rico's roster again, it's just a list of guys who are carryovers from other teams. It seems like, and I hope this is not bulletin board material where they're finding our podcast and putting it on the wall. Like we're gonna go bash somebody's head in because these three bastards are talking crap about us. Giuseppe Gentile of the Ottawa Fury, formerly of the Ottawa Fury, Connor Doyle also seems to be new to the Puerto Rico FC squad. I could have sworn that he was on another roster as of last season. Um, so it's going to be one of those situations where, you know, there are some names that we do remember, uh, and there are some new names to the Puerto Rico squad, but, you know, the fighting Carmelos, uh, are going to have a tough time, I think, against the Miami free Coroquetas. <laughs> oh, boy. By the way, is Golazo traveling? Is Golazo flying over to Puerto Rico? Do we have any update about that? I think there's still a Zika risk, so I don't know if he ah. can make it. True. Do they let birds on planes, considering, you know, bird flu and everything else? 
I think that's a no, right? I mean, that seems like it'd be problematic. Nah, man, you ever see those pictures of uh, Saudi princes when they fly with their hawks? Everything is different when you're a Saudi prince. Yeah. Well, don't they have the whole plane, Yeah, though? that shit's dope. <laughs> <laughs> a whole plane full of galazos. A whole plane full of galazos. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, boy. Make it happen, Miami FC, a plane full of galazos. I'm not sure why, but we should do it. Just a giant yes, 747. Just, just Full of galasses. Why not? Oh, oh boy. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, uh, we've derailed. Yeah, we've Have we derailed, though? All right, bef- go ahead. Before Omar gets into all this crazy talk and speaking in, like, silly voices and bashing uh, foreign leagues, I, there was another local soccer game this weekend. I told you last week we had a, we had a back-to-back. So it was, Absolutely. It was Miami Victory Saturday, Miami Victory Sunday, uh, Miami United Opened up the uh, MPSL season and played Boca Raton for the very first time. Miami double-double. Uh, yeah, it was a Miami double-double. South double Florida double. Derby. Yeah, uh, I, they don't even have a name for it. Battle for 95. But, uh, <laughs> it was a great game. You know, Miami Miami did their typical thing of scoring within the first five minutes. Uh, once that happened, you know, I really thought the game was going to open up because uh, it's kind of typical for them to just womp opponents 7-1. But um, Boca kind of held themselves together, for, especially because it was their first uh, MPSL match, and they are an all-amateur team uh, coming out of the APSL. But um, yeah, Boca was able to, to kind of defend their way out of it, just holding Miami to a goal. So uh, it was a fun time. And the greatest part is in exactly one week from now, next Wednesday, they will play each other again in the U.S. Open Cup. So either one of those teams can be a potential opponent of... Miami FC. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I think we're all, I mean, I'm really excited. Thinking back, you know, we were talking about it before we started recording. Uh, I remember watching the Red Force play the Ocala Stampede in the Open Cup, I believe in 2013. And it was one of the first Open Cup games here since the previous Miami FC. And, um, you know, to just to have so many options on the table now, where you have so many different teams that you can go watch in the Open Cup. You know, this, the, this, countrywide competition it's very exciting it's very exciting and the fact that it, it is all queued up where one of these teams is likely going to play Miami FC at some point um, makes it even better so just to clarify because again I feel like I, I have this down and then at the same time I don't with regards to Miami uh, United and also with regards to um, Boca Raton FC who do they next have to play in order for that possible matchup to come through uh, ooh, stump me. It looks like it's the Armada yeah. here on the list. Yeah, yeah, it yeah it should be the Armada. So, that makes sense. So then, essentially, they would have to travel to Jacksonville and win that game. Well, actually, I'm looking actually here. The U.S. Open Cup website has got finally got their stuff together here. It seems like um, that if the Jacksonville Armada play Miami United, Miami United will be the home team. Uh, the game will be at Ten Hedrick Stadium, which will be actually kind of fun to see. Uh, and that match would take place on May 17th, so two weeks from us recording today on the 3rd of May. Uh, but however, if Boca Raton happened to get payback on Miami United, that game will be taking place in Jacksonville. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't know what happened to the to the drawings, but it, it seems like the top slotted tier teams are getting home in the second round because. It's the same deal where if the Red Force beat uh, the Surf, we have to play the Red Force at Tropical Park. 
But if the Surf win, then Miami FC gets granted the home game. Well, it says home team TBD in the sense that I, I guess Miami FC doesn't know whether or not they can host that game or whether they want to host that game. It seems like that. That's if the Surf. Bingo. That's, yeah, that's if the Surf win. <laughs> right. So I mean, I, yeah, because you have you have to pay a lot of money, man. You got to pay those lights. You got to pay the refs. Got to pay the security staff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I don't know how many people are showing up for uh, the surf. <laughs> got got to pay Golazo. That's a lot of bird seed. Nah, man, we from croquetas this weekend. Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw that picture. It's fantastic. Throw him the croquetas. So before Drew got into Miami United stuff, and he thought I was going to go across the pond, I was actually going to recap the week of NASL soccer. Um, again, Jacksonville and Indy. Uh, Drew won one this last week. Puerto Rico and Carolina. Carolina beat Puerto Rico. I mean, again. We already said it. Puerto Rico's not a decent team. And the Cosmos had a beautiful chip goal over a newly engaged goalkeeper for San Francisco Deltas, uh, winning that game 1-0. Of course, as you already know, Miami FC uh, took the cake there, beating Edmonton 2-0. This week, other than Miami FC playing in Puerto Rico, you have the Armada hosting the Cosmos at 7 o'clock. And then in the trifecta of 7.30 games, you have Indy hosting Edmonton, which probably means they'll get their first one of the season. And what apparently seems to be the Carolina Railhawks, still on Google, which we really know is North Carolina FC, uh, they'll be hosting the San Francisco Deltas as well. Uh, so going back to Miami United, um, and obviously their 1-0 win. Drew, obviously we had a really big concert. Uh, grinded, I don't want to say grinded the gears. They got a lot of people excited uh, with regards to what was going on <laughs> at Ted Hendricks. So what was the details? How did that whole night spectacle game go down? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I recapped the, the game a little, but the, the spectacle was, uh, yeah, prior to the actual game itself, there was some Uruguayan band playing some sort of music I am not familiar with. Um, <laughs> you can only be identified as folk. Yeah, there you go. Uh, country, country music. <laughs> Countryside music. Um, yeah, uh, there were supposed to be fireworks after the game for some reason, it happened at the half, I think. Oh, you had a halftime fireworks show? Yeah, I think it maybe was because of some sort of noise ordinance. But, it, yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't follow much of it. But then um, <laughs> at the end of the game, there was a, a popular Dominican group, uh, Fulanitos, who put on a, a rocking concert, and your boy was dancing like a mofo. There you go, son. There you go. <laughs> so we talked a little... Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, my wife was uh, very sad to hear that we could not be there for Fulanito because she sounded very excited to oh, to be able to hear They that. actually came into the stands and started uh, playing music with the supporters group with their accordion. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's above and beyond the call of duty. Yeah. Well, they were getting into it, man. You see people saying that soccer doesn't work in South Florida. Big middle finger to you guys. <laughs> that's right. So looking again at, you know, Going to dive a little bit here into the U.S. Open Cup. Um, you know, again, as you know, the two possible opponents down the road would be the local ones with regards to Boca Raton, Miami United, and Red Force and the South Florida Surf. Um, outside of that, it seems to be that you have a few other teams competing in the Open Cup within the Florida's territory and could be potential matchups down the road. I'm surprised to see that Jacksonville Armada's under-23 team can participate in the U.S. Open Cup, given that I figured their ownership was you know, kind of one of those issues where MLS two teams can't play. So I'm surprised this MPSL team is on the roster. Uh, looks like they're playing the Villages SC. Drew loves the Villages SC. 
But we're yeah, really hoping, right. really hoping that this season they don't put somebody who is cap tied to somebody else and get disqualified. <laughs> oh, that was such the a other, shame. the other like scenario I thought of too was because that um, second team doesn't exist, or the yeah the under twenty three or secondary team doesn't exist outside of uh, like USL and MLS. Mm-hmm. So now technically Miami United made an APSL team, which is their under twenty three. So I think, therefore, then they have double the chances of qualifying for the Open Cup because if they win the APSL, I think they can enter the free league play. But then I don't know if that's capped to strictly amateur players. Yeah, that that would be a really big issue, and I feel like we're really diving into the rule books. Yeah, yeah. Open I'm even, pretty sure the people so. who make this tournament don't even know the yeah, answer to like that. Even more so like, than They're, the they're going to have to get on Skype with each other and be like, uh, is this legal? Like, how does this work? How how do we let this happen? We don't really care because we don't expect them to go anywhere. But heaven forbid they pull a Lincoln and they end up in the quarterfinals. Like, how? What do we do with it? What do we do with this? What do we do with this? Get Sunil Galati on the phone. Yeah, Sunil, Sunil, pick up the phone, Sunil. He'd be like, "What's this tournament? Conca <laughs> Cap yeah. Champions League? They're Open Cup." Lamar, who now? I'm not hunting for him. What, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I heard that new Kendrick. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. So good, so good, absolutely good. Well, it's good to know that at least we have a date set in stone now for the Miami FC uh, U.S. Open Cup match, which means it's going to be in two weeks, guys. It's either going to be May 16th at Tropical Park or May 17th, either somewhere between Miami and Melbourne, Florida. Uh, So it's going to be fun. You know that you have that added game to the roster um, to come on out and support. So it should be a good time. You know, we really expect Miami FC to take care of business in what's now considered to be the second round. Um, and at which point, all of the winners of the second round will be repooled and matched up against... Uh, normally, it's going to be geographically, as the U.S. Open Cup tends to do. Um, however, there's always some caveats there with regards to you know how many teams and how many geographic areas they could really accommodate. So... Uh, Miami FC will have a third round game. We're hoping. I mean, it would be really pathetic to be, for lack of better words, uh, to be out in that second round to any of those four teams that they would play at this point. Um, at which point they'd be matched up again with one of the winners from the other second round opponents. And then at that point, we will see MLS teams enter the U.S. Open Cup. Let's do it. Gonna be, this is our year. We're going all the way. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's nice to see it because that third round, believe it or not, seems like game dates might be March May 31st. So now you're getting two additional matches in the span of two weeks. So guess what? All of that roster depth that we have been talking about is going to come into play now. And if I was a betting man, and I am a betting man, I would bet that you would start <laughs> seeing in those weeks NESL league play rosters getting you know, more of their bench players in line to make a real shot at this Open Cup. I don't think you want guys experimenting this season in the Open Cup. I don't think you want to throw out an 11 that doesn't know each other. So, you know what? You're Right now, you're sitting second in the table in ASL play. You have some space to breathe. It's only the spring season. Make sure that you take care of business in the Open Cup early on and you don't get upset again. Especially considering how much... It appears this this competition is important to ownership, um, at least as what they've spoken about it in the past. You would figure that they would put forth a real roll of the dice for the Open Cup games, especially the third round, a real strong side. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, I would really hope so. I know Drew, I, I would think he hopes so too. I don't want to speak for Drew. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a little skeptical, though, because I know last year, I mean, obviously we were going to try, but last year, uh, I remember Silva put out some kind of, like, press uh, press release saying, you know, how we're going to go for it and how, stress the importance of the Open Cup and everything, and then uh, then the uh, Wilmington Hammerheads happened, so. Yeah, I mean, but also that 11, <laughs> everybody sat there and looked at that 11 and said, what are you doing? Like, it was didn't make any sense. Like, you know, guys. Yeah, but it was after, we, like, you know, the owner made this whole you know, this is the cup to take serious, and this is the, you know, kind of made a whole speech about it in press release, and then it just turned into like, oh, yeah. Well, no, I'd, be, I'd be really disheartened, especially if you're playing in an A-team league that you don't make a, you don't really try to put all the chips on the table and, and try to make a run for it, because you can find recuperation, and you can find healing within an A-team league, but this is what's going to grow your brand all over the country. Oh, for, so, yeah, you know. for sure, for sure. Sure. And it, yeah, especially with the smaller league and everything, and now you kind of got a point to prove, but. Right. Um, last year broke my heart, and I'm <laughs> still not over it. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you play Hugo LaRue. Anyway, um, so moving forward, guys, um, do we have anything left on the Miami circuit to add? I mean, I feel like we don't give enough, I guess, information, attention to Miami Fusion, because, you know. Oh no! They canceled their game. Did they? They were supposed to. Yeah, they were supposed to play on Saturday at five prior to the United game. Uh, they abruptly canceled their game. Uh, gave no reason or any sort of real information on social media why. Announced they were playing it at a later date, and uh, that's the end of that. Jeez, that's. And uh, fun fact: they actually play in uh, Pembroke Pines. They do play in Pembroke Pines now. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Sorry, Fusion. Called you out. I guess now you are now the Pembroke Pines Fusion. <laughs> PP Fusion. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Got him. Right. Got him. Burn. So, Sick burn. You guys have your seatbelts buckled? Oh, you know. Do you have your trade tables stowed and upright? It has been since last week. Well, we're taking off, weekend. and we're going across the pond, and we're going to recap oh, I hate this part. a little bit of some <laughs> European soccer here, because, you know, everybody's favorite segment is when we like to, you know, spew our knowledge about the European game and get Drew's interesting tidbits about Arsenal. Um, well, without going into England just yet, uh, guys, we had Champions League this week. Uh, Real Madrid absolutely laid down the law versus Atletico. Uh, Madrid decided, well, I shouldn't say Madrid because it is the Madrid derby, but Real decided to show up uh, and tell anybody who was betting on the under of two and a half to go F themselves as Real Madrid uh, <laughs> dominates and gets a late, uh, I should say the over gets a late goal to help its case here was Real wins the game 3-0 at the Bernabeu. Uh, the game's going to swing the other way, and I don't see any way in hell that Atletico is going to make up a three-goal differential. I just I don't see it. And I guess neither do you guys. So uh, moving on to today's <laughs> game, you had Juventus. And Juventus, uh, this is actually a really good game. They played Monaco. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch the game, but it has a lot of interesting storylines because here you have Juventus, top of the table of a really bad league, with great names but aging superstars. Guys that are getting into their prime years or pulling past their prime, and really with the exception of maybe Dybala, and Dybala's just an animal um, second coming of Lionel Messi, it seems like almost. But at the same time, you have Monaco, which is the complete opposite. A young team. Guys 
who are getting their first cracks and their first taste of European soccer, you know, at the big level, reaching the semis with players like Mbappe, players like Bayakoko, Radamel Falcao, the aging veteran, kind of leading the way with regards to leadership and 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 and. I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm going to say dictatorship, but that's not the right word. No, leadership, <laughs> providing the energy, providing the chemistry, and, and, and uh, oh, man, I can't think of the word. It's going to bother me for days. It's terrible radio. But Juventus. Stewardship? Not stewardship. It's um, discipline. There we go. It started with a D. Uh, discipline. I was okay. going to say Premier League rejection. Premier League rejection, yeah. <laughs> How many teams did he flutter on with? One of them was United. I know he was with Chelsea for a bit, too. Um, so... Juventus uh, shows that age and experience and defense seems to be the key. They take that game 2-0. But in the best game of the day was actually in Europa League play. We had Ajax taking on Lyon. Uh, Ajax hosting Lyon in the first leg of the semifinal draw. Ajax taking that game 4-1 to in a game that looked oh, like... You were very excited about this listen, matchup. Listen, it was, yeah. it was really good. If you guys haven't had a chance to watch it, catch the replay. Um, the, the score doesn't really take away anything from the quality of the game because it was a pickup game with scrambling defense. It's if you took 11 really good guys and threw them, or I should say 22 really good players, and threw them at the park and said, hey, you go kick a ball around, let's see what happens. The defense was scrambling the entire time. The game was up and down for the duration of the 90 plus minutes and, and goals galore Ajax quickly taking a 2-0 lead into halftime. The third goal actually being called and decided upon by a video referee Video referee in a European tournament uh, gives a third goal to Ajax. Lyon was eventually able to get one back, and Ajax did uh, really, almost in my case, seal the aggregate uh, going up 4-1 as they return next week uh, to France. And I don't think there's anything Lyon can do uh, at this point in time to make that up. Tomorrow we have Celta Vigo, the Galicians uh, taking on Manchester United. Uh, It's my home province of Spain versus my soccer team of choice. So... It's going to be an interesting tilt. Uh, game kicks off at 3.05 Eastern. That is Thursday. We have our first relegated team of the Premier League. So, Condolences to Sunderland. Pour out some 40s for the Sunderland. Pour out some 40s for Davy Moyet. Play that Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> sad puppy song. In the eyes of an angel. Middlesbrough are fighting like hell. Uh, fighting like hell, drawing against City 2 2. Uh, three games left, and they are really six points off safety. Though. It's clear to see that Brad Guzan cannot wait to get to Atlanta fast enough um, and leave the <laughs> Premier League and, and leave Swansea City. They keep picking up points, but the worst part about this is that whole city does too. Uh, they're two points clear. I'm sorry, they're two points short of safety as whole city and Swansea City will be, I guess, battling uh, the waves of mediocrity in order to stave off or be relegated into the championship but on top of that we do know now that brighton hoven albion and newcastle united will be joining uh the premier league next season along with one of four other teams and one of those other four seem to be fulham right now so guys i I don't know what your level of champions championship league football is in terms of you know how familiar you familiar you are with it but what do you Fulham see? America's team. I mean, Fulham is America's team, and it's it's owned by a guy who has visit Florida. Visit Florida. So, what do you guys think? Like, is do you guys want to see Fulham back in the Premier League? Because it's been a while since they've been there. Hey, man. I, not to dodge your question, but that that guy should own the Armada. No. I mean, one would think, right? Who, Shad Khan. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. you own a soccer team in Europe, you own a football team in America. And in Jacksonville? Yeah, like, do it. It's not going to cost them that much of his portfolio, you would think, right? Exactly. You could move the Michael Jackson statue that they took down from Craven Cottage to Jacksonville. I'm sure they would love that thing there. That's a tourist I mean, attraction. This is, yeah, this is a no-brainer. I mean, I don't know why this hasn't happened yet. And if you guys have ever been... I think he's like, more likely to move his football team to London than he is to buy the Jacksonville <laughs> team. I mean, it's one of those things where if you guys have ever been to Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville, there's a lot of land out there that you could really just, you know... Throw up some bleachers, throw up some grandstands, and and have the team played adjacent to Everbank. They were playing in the baseball stadium right next door before. So you know, it's if, true. if he could pick up ownership, I think it would be. You know what? It would also cement his legacy. I feel like within that Jacksonville community, as a community person, somebody who strives to better the atmosphere and the and the entertainment in Jacksonville as well. Um, some of the other teams, again, most of these teams are names that you've heard of before, vying for that last spot to the uh, promotion of the Premiership. Um, Reading, Sheffield Wednesday, Huddersfield all in the mix as well against Fulham. The championship playoffs will start soon. All those games will be on BN Sports. Um, so it'll be fun. It's going to be a fun watch. If there's not uh, you know, NESL play on TV, you better believe I'm going to be glued to those fixtures. Yeah, go watch the real Champions League. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for um, Newcastle because there's, you know, when I started watching the Premier League, I, I really feel like Newcastle was was a fixture in the league. You know, they weren't winning or anything, but they were just there. And then all of a sudden, you know, the thing with relegation is you just you lose teams for a while, and you're like, oh yeah, where'd they go? What happened to them? Um, you know, and to see them back now, I think it's. Um, it's fantastic. It's good. Although I still think their shirt sponsor should be Newcastle Beer. That's one of the best. The best shirts going. Call Sport Direct. Um, Let them know. Cheap ass ownership. Yeah, I know. It's Sports Direct. It's, it went from one of the best to one of the worst. Uh, and also, I'm excited for Brighton and Hove Albion because their their crest has a seagull on it. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun times. I mean, especially in the Premier League. Uh, it's nice to see a team get relegated one year and come right back. And not have that team be QPR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, as long as it's not the Rangers, everything will be good. Um, again, just to stay in the Albion. And if you guys don't know, Albion does mean is an older term for the Isle of England. Um, Sheffield United scores 100 points in League One to be promoted. Now, I said Sheffield United, right? Sheffield United. Um, moving up to the championship. Also with the Bolton Wanderers. The Wanderers are able to move on up. Uh, to the championship as well. So there's a lot of big names, a lot of classic names seem to be coming back into the mix. We'll see what next season has in store for all these teams. Um, going in over to Spain, as I mentioned last week, I, I don't care less, and you shouldn't care less either because we already know what, how that's going to go. <laughs> I mean, the only interesting part about Spain this season is that there's about four, three, four games left in play, and Real Madrid and Barcelona are tied at the top. So, I mean, you would probably get minus 10,000 odds on that, so meaning... For every $10,000 you bet, you'd get $100 back from your bookie if you said Barcelona-Madrid would be top two because I don't see them paying out anything with regards to that bet. But it will be fun, I guess, to see how those last three, four games go um, and how that league get, does get decided at the end for the dick measuring contest between Barcelona fans and Madrid fans. Uh, league one table, you're going to have a battle again between Monaco and Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, kind of same situation here. Uh, Monaco has a game in hand. They're three points up on top of the league, but they do have to now play out 
these Europa League fixtures, and is that going to take a toll, uh, you know, when it comes to the last couple games, uh, you know, in uh, France? Sorry, I lost the lost the country that we were talking about there for a second, and in Italy, as I mentioned yesterday or last week, Serie A. I mean, Juventus already won the title, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they're already champions of Italy, um, and who didn't see that coming? Because who the fuck else wins the Italian league? <laughs> So yeah, much so hatred you... in this last 20 minutes. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. I didn't even get to the Premier League, man. Like, I didn't even touch that. <laughs> I'm not touching that for a while. I'm going to wait until the season plays out. And, you know, I, listen, I'm worried. Listen, I have like four United jerseys in my closet. I might wear one, walk to the bathroom, and break my leg. <laughs> at, the, at the rate the way people wear United jerseys are getting injured, I'm liable for an injury here soon too. So I'm just going to shut up. I'm going to take the Europa League fixture for what it is tomorrow. Hopefully we get a win against Celta uh, and secure Champions League down that route because I, I'm listen, man, I'm terrified. I was sitting here talking to friends the other day thinking, oh, shit, are we going to recall, you know, Guillermo Varela from uh, Frankfurt? And are we going to recall, you know, Cameron Borthwick Jackson? Because I don't know who the hell's left to play defense on this team. I have zero idea. I'm terrified. I'm shaking. I don't want to watch the game tomorrow because I don't want to find out that I have to come into this show next week and having to pick up a, you know, a 3-0 loss in Galicia to come back to United and somehow, you know, get to Champions League down the Premier League road. And, and we still have Spurs to play. And I think we have a game against Arsenal also. And guess what? The game we play against Spurs is the last game at White Hart Lane. So what do you think I feel about that game? Yeah, not great. No, not, not great, great Bob. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I definitely, um, I feel like you're feeling now like I felt in January. That just the world was falling down and everything that was good is turning to crap. Um, I'm, I would be sympathetic, but it's that team. And so I don't really care all that much. <laughs> I hope no one's injured too seriously. You know, like, people can recover as well as possible. And you never like injuries, but, um, yeah, good luck with all that. There is some advantage to not having European, not having Europa League football. Last year we had, we had it and it nearly paid off in, in, in spades, but it didn't. And now we're attacking it this way. And it's a little bit easier in the old heart because you just, you know, you just got the one set of games in front of you. That's it. You have one thing to worry about, and it's just don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip. And, you know, we have done it before. We've tripped. Um, before anyone else makes the joke, I will. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's 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 going to be an exciting finish. It's one of those seasons you f- I, I feel like we never get a good title race and a good race for fourth. Um, it's either or. And this year we don't have a good title race. Chelsea's going to pull away with it. Uh, barring some, you know, unforeseen circumstance. and But we got a good race for fourth, because right now there are about five teams that are going to fit into about two spots. So yep. it's it's going to be interesting. I will say this, though, and, and Matt, thank you, because you've just reminded me that no matter what happens, I can always turn on Arsenal Fan TV and feel better. Look. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was rough, Drew. That yeah, was rough. No, no, bad, bad day. It sucks too because I was I was high and mighty off the Miami FC win. You know, I go to the Arsenal bar, uh, you know, end up suicidal for the rest of Sunday, and then go watch Miami United win, and then wake up on Monday morning, kind of leveled out. But uh, yeah, that was terrible. Let's not talk about that. All right, everybody, so- thanks for tuning in to Magic City <laughs> Soccer. Uh, I, I do want to ask the question. I, 
do you, I mean it's it's the cliche question, but does the FA Cup save Wenger again, or is this the end of the road? He's not going anywhere. He's not. Yeah, he's not going. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Do you mean does it save him with the fans? I don't think the fans give two shits about it because it would be the third in four years. So, just like cool, we got that again. We're a little bit excited. Oh, we didn't make Champions League. We didn't make you know, or uh, so, rather, they didn't place top four in the league. So, I don't think it does does doesn't doesn't help him any. And you know, just watching that Tottenham game and then saying, "Hey, we're gonna have to play Chelsea for freaking a cup game for hardware," like. Watching the team last week, it's like, that doesn't really look possible. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a fair observation. That's a good point. <laughs> that's what just everybody was screaming, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Can't beat Tottenham, like, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll win a cup game against Chelsea. Right, that's... congratulations. Your reward for making the final <laughs> is you got to go play Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully for you guys, Tottenham can keep it interesting as long as possible to force Chelsea to have to play their starters as long as they can. And, and you never know, man. Like, if, if these starters have to play out the rest of the season... You can catch lightning in a bottle and be okay. You never know. I remember thinking that way in 2012, and then Chelsea just slammed the door right in my, right on my fingers. They they were fighting right to the end and and put out a, a questionable side in the, the in the the final and still beat us. I, I, that's that's a game that I rue as a Liverpool fan is that match because I felt like it was ours to take and we just cocked it up. I mean. Chelsea fielded a questionable side uh, just in terms of name and, and players in the, in the 11 for this upcoming game. And what ended up happening? It was it was just an absolute, you know, a clinic versus Tottenham. And it was a good game. I think the scoreline 4-2 doesn't indicate how good the game actually was. But at the same time, you know, it's, you look at the names missing from the Chelsea roster, uh, or sorry, from the Chelsea 11 uh, against Tottenham, and then you're just like, oh, okay, so Tottenham's going to have a decent chance of this, and nope, absolutely not. <laughs> like, no, wasn't wasn't happening, my friends. was not happening. I, I think you have to admit something, and it's literally nothing that any one of us wants to say, but Antonio Conte has done wonders, and and it pains me to say because I still have, you know, the, you know, I think all of us in here have the kind of resentment towards Chelsea from the last decade and even this, the beginning of this decade, but, but to, you know, the, having the different face leading the club, you know, and not having it be Jose Mourinho, it's made it a lot harder for me to dislike that team. Even though they're defensive-minded, it's different, and it's, 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 they're, they're really good. They deserve to win. No. They deserve to win. And, and not to take anything away from Tottenham, who have had a great season too, but they deserve to win it. I agree with you, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with anything that, Conte has done because as much as I want as much as I am a United fan and a United homer like I do give credit where it's due regarding of who the team is even if it is Liverpool at the end of the day um, it's just one of those situations where I feel that the players uh, were the reason Mourinho was sacked from Chelsea when he was and it's one of those situations where all of a sudden you look at Eden Hazard and you look at Diego Costa and you look at Fabregas and they're not playing any differently. They're not playing any different roles. They're not playing in a, in a system that is more suitable for them, per se. They're just deciding to show up and play. And it's the same argument that we had with Ranieri a few weeks ago in Leicester of, oh, so you're telling me you sacked the coach and now the players decide to run out the balls and now you're telling me that they're finally 
playing with a with an added level of enthusiasm. So whose fault is that at the end of the day? Is it the manager or is it the players? And and that's one thing that, you know, whether Chelsea fans want to hear it or not, Chelsea's players tanked their team last season and costed them, you know, your football this season. And and you know what? Good for them. That's fine. They're obviously sitting top of the table, so it's worked out well. But there's a lot of instances where that does not work out well. Um you know, so be that as it may, if they want to continue going down that route when they get angry at a manager and they want to have a bunch of prima donnas on the field, you know, hey, go for it, man. That only gets you so far. I guess what I would say there is that the thing with Chelsea, and, and I'm I'm applying only my perspective here, and it's not an informed perspective, obviously, but when you look at a Claudio Ranieri and you look at a Jose Mourinho and you say, who can you justify being angry enough to quit on? I, and I, again, I'm not in. I'm not on the training grounds. I'm not in the locker room. But I, Jose Mourinho is a dick. He's always been one, and and everyone knows this about him. That's the book on him. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, that's who he is. And it worked at Chelsea because he started with this core group of players uh, that had been there before, but he elevated them to this next level. Now he's he has these players at this level. He has. He's not. You know, taking John Terry's along for the ride up with him. And it could be grating when you're dealing with players who have been there before. And it worked at Inter Milan and it worked at, at Real Madrid. But every time, it, it doesn't end well. And, and I don't think, when it comes to, to Ranieri, the fact that there was less than a year between this, like, unimaginable pinnacle of pinnacles and the sacking. And with Jose, that there had been a time and he had come back and... and I think the story is different, and, and I'm not just – I swear on a, a stack of Bibles here, Omar. I'm not just saying this because it's Manchester United. I I've ha- I hated Jose Mourinho. <laughs> but my ha- hatred of Jose Mourinho came really before my deep hatred of Manchester United. I can't stand him, and I, and I think the, the proof is in the pudding in terms of where he's been. Is he a brilliant manager? Yes. I would never say otherwise. He is brilliant, but can he – tip over the teapot and piss everyone off? Yes. And and sometimes he channels that anger into success and sometimes it blows up in his face. Listen, man, he might be an asshole, but fortunately or unfortunately right now, he's my asshole. <laughs> uh, and on that note... Yeah, let's let let's let Drew off this hook, and we'll we can talk. About, I mean, there's really not much to talk about. I think we're yeah, on the yeah. same page here. It's I, just that... I just request that when you edit this podcast, you just splice out that clip of saying Omar saying and he's my asshole <laughs> yes yes we're gonna we're gonna chop this one up we're gonna chop this one up um okay so let's um let's wrap this up um I, I did want to mention actually I'm glad I mentioned I, I I nearly forgot we're gonna end the show today because we didn't really do a good job during the show of mentioning it although we did talk about Miami United uh our our favorite Welshman Lee Ifens uh was in the field he was in the field on Sunday and got some interviews uh, from Miami United. Um, so we are going to kind of very easily just kind of slide them in here at the end. Um, and obviously, if you're listening, you probably saw us on social media and we'll mention that so you know what's going on. Um, but yeah, please stick around for some, some good information from Lee. And um, yeah, that'll do it. Right, fellas? Yeah, Lee, we love you. That's not a slight at the interviews. That's more uh, of us rambling on our nonsense and you not here delegating it. Yeah, no, that's that's on me poorly planning. That's what that was. Um, but we want to get it to the people while it's good and fresh. Uh, so, 
Um, yeah, so that'll do it. Um, Omar, thank you, sir. Always a pleasure, boys. Drew, thank you much. We got this. We do got it. Uh, for Drew, for Omar, I am Matthew Bunch. Thanks for listening to Magic City Soccer, and uh, until next time, go Miami FC and go Miami Soccer. Arroz con habichuela on Saturday, bro. Arroz con habichuela. What's up? Uh, this is Drew Hausman, Magic City Soccer Correspondents. We're here at the Miami United launch party. We're talking to Alejandro Jr. Alejandro Jr., which is a pretty swag name. So uh, from what I hear, you played for the Chicago Fire U23 team. Uh, can you give us a little on your soccer background, uh, how you ended up in Miami, and your aspirations in your career? Yeah, definitely. Well, my aspirations for my career, honestly, to play at the highest level possible, which would be Champions League and playing World Cups. I know some people think it's it might be too much, but you know what? I don't believe I don't believe in limits. I believe in you could do anything you set your mind to. Um, yeah. So this is your first year at Miami United uh, for NPSL. It's an eight-game schedule. Uh, how do you guys think it's going to go? You're also in the Open Cup. Do you guys kind of focus on the Open Cup or uh, league play? Well, we take it game by uh, game, by game, you know, uh, but our team's prepared a lot. We have a great coach, Stefano Agresti. He's phenomenal. He's been showing the team a lot of consistency in every single part of the game and also helping us all evolve our game as well. So you've got something else to add? Um, also, for the U.S. Open Cup, we, we aim to win it, you know. Again, it might be some people will be like, oh, no, they can. They're NPSL. But you know what? As long as you aim big and you believe you can, you could achieve great things. So. so so you guys are playing Boca Raton at your home opener. I believe you have one or two away games after that. Then you have to play Boca Raton after that for the Open Cup. Um, how, does, how does this first game feel? Uh, do you have kind of anything... Do you have the Open Cup in the back of your mind, or is it just we're going to play them, you'll beat them, and then the Open Cup yeah. comes next? Yeah, the great thing is that we're going to face the same opponent twice and the second time in a more important game. So depending on the result of this match, we'll see where we are. We believe we'll win, but <laughs> we'll believe we'll win, but uh, in the U.S. Open Cup, we'll definitely take that W for sure. All right, I'll take it. You heard it here first. What is happening in Miami? What is the future Eu sou embaixador do Miami United pelo segundo ano. Nós viemos aqui hoje para apresentar o time oficialmente, já que o campeonato já começa no domingo já. Ok. Sí, el, el, el familiar que usted tiene aquí jugando. Meu filho, meu filho joga no, no Miami hoje e por isso mais uma ocasião pelo motivo de eu estar sendo embaixador do Miami United. Ok. Vai vir no domingo o partido? Não, porque domingo não. Porque amanhã eu já vou para o Brasil oh, okay. para um outro evento okay. e no próximo jogo do Miami eu volto. Oh, ok. Aí você vai sair jogando ao futebol, você? Não. não <risos> eu parei já, chega de <risos> jogar. Agora eu vou ficar só de merda, gente só. Ok, muito obrigado. Muito obrigado.